Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Was the world literally created in six days? Did it evolve? And, you know, there's all different arguments on that, but the bottom line is there was a creator, there was a designer behind it all. Uh, you know, we're, we're artists, you know, you look at anything, nothing, even the law of physics, you can throw a bunch of random pieces in the air and they don't come together to form something, they, they scatter. So there has to be a designer that's bringing everything together, even the elements together. So bottom line is there is a creator. And how he created, you know, we can talk circles all around all that stuff. But the bottom line is we need to honor the creator. Amen? We are the created. He is the uncreated God. Isn't that awesome? He's the only thing that's not created. So creation gives him glory. Creation gives him honor. And then we look at evil. And we saw last week we looked at how evil came in. We know that that the serpent deceived hum mankind, human beings, um, starting with Adam and Eve. And, you know, he said, did God really say? You know, he, it's the very first challenge. And it's the really, it's the argument that we all really, really have to fight. You know, we're facing a situation. What's the first thing we want to do? We go back to our own reasoning instead of saying, God, what do you say about this? What is it that you, you, you are doing? What is it that... That what are, what are your principles that I need to follow concerning this? And, you know, we, sometimes we go back to familiar, we go back to what Aunt Bertha said or Uncle George or Grandpa or Grandma, and it might not be a biblical, biblical principle, but we think, well, it was a good one. It may be good, but it, it, it falls short of God's principles, which will stand true. And Jesus himself said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So the words that, that Jesus stood on, because he was standing on the scriptures from the Old Testament, and he was fulfilling them, and he said, these words are never going to pass away. They're going to continue, and they will remain. Amen? And so evil is anything outside of that. We sometimes think evil is just murder. Evil is just lying. Um, you know, but, but evil is anything that's outside of God's will. It, it falls short of God's mark. And um, we've got to see a different perspective, uh, the biblical perspective of what God sees with evil. And that evil didn't come, and people didn't come. They weren't evil. We were deceived, and evil came in. And there's an enemy who wants to deceive us. And you know that the devil's greatest expression is through a human being. You know that spirits, which are the, the devil's territory, evil, we, we, we like to call everything a sickness, but there are some things, it's, it's the devil. And the, and the devil brings depression. He brings all kinds of different things. And he has his greatest expression through a human being. And so... He manifests through you and me, and we have to know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Amen? 
So my problem isn't that we say that evil person. No, there's evil working behind that person. My battle is not against that person. It's against evil forces, demonic forces that the enemy is working in. Amen? We, we can't see people as evil because they're not. They're not. God created human beings in his image. He created us to reflect his glory. But if we turn away from his ways, we will reflect darkness. We will reflect the enemy's uh, evil. But we don't have to. God, and this is the third point of a biblical worldview. Rescue. How many are glad you were rescued? Yes. If you haven't been rescued, you can be. No one is beyond rescuing. Isn't that good? And I love it because the scriptures give us the, the greatest motivation of why we were rescued. And this is the good news of the scriptures. Let's go to 1 John 4, 9 to 12. This is what it says. <clears throat> it says, this is how God showed his love among us. Aren't you glad God showed his love among us? He didn't show just his great power. He didn't just show all of the things he could do. He showed his love among us. And, he, and this is how he showed it. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Amen? This is love. And this is, he's saying, this is what love is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen? Isn't that good? This is love. Not that we loved God. You know what happens when we get walking with God for a while? We think it's all dependent on us. And we think, well, I, I know better. And I'm, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. No. Do you know that as we go along in this journey, we need to be more dependent on the love God has for us? Because as we try to rely on our own selves and our own sufficiency, we trip ourselves up. And we have to recognize and know even more so there's someone who loved us. And who we rely on. You know, another verse in First John there. Um, or here it says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. How many have some people that it's hard to love? Anyone? How many have family and it's hard to love? <laughs> But God was basically saying, look, this love thing will work, and I've given you lots of places to practice it. And you know where you're going to see me? You're going to see me when you let this love come out of you. But the only way it can come out of you is if you receive that unconditional love that I give you first. This is love, not that you loved me, but that I loved you and sent my son for you. You know, Romans... Um, uh, five, let's go there, six to eight. It says, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly um, dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? This is a foundational biblical world view. Everyone can be rescued. It doesn't matter how rumpy, dumpy you are, how rumpy, dumpy your life might be, how bad the situation is in any person that we encounter. We need to look at them and know God rescued you. God made a way for you. We have to see every person that way. Could you imagine if everyone saw everyone that way? Come on. Do we see everyone that way? Is that our biblical worldview? Let's be honest. Some people were like, mm, <laughs> why did God create them? <laughs> I know none of you have thought that. You're just, you look too good. But we have those thoughts. We, we hit situations and we're like, or we see evil that was maybe demonstrated by a person. We think, you know, we think it's that person. And it's not. It's a demonic force that has worked through that person that has lied to them and that has submitted them under that power. And even in that darkest, darkest place, Jesus can still deliver and heal and set free. Paul, who gave us most of the New Testament, that book we're reading in Romans, he was a murderer of the church. He murdered people in the church. And God forgave a murderer and gave him the power to give us the written word of God. Amen? That's God's rescuing power. In, um, uh, uh, let's go to Colossians 2. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Look at your neighbor who was far away from you in here, <laughs> most of you. Um, say, he said, all. All. Not selected ones. You know, we have categories. Oh, yeah, God can forgive this one, but not this one. I should have known better. <laughs> Come on. We have all these things in our head. It's really, it's really just wonky. But it says all. He, can't, he canceled it all. And it says, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. It says here. Uh, yeah, I didn't finish. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities. Again, here we see battle is not against flesh and blood. He addressed the powers and the authorities of darkness. He addressed them. And he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen? So the cross was a very demonstration. Boom. This is done. It is finished. We're going to look at Isaiah 53, this chapter. And I encourage you, if you want to meditate on a chapter of rescue in the Bible, this is the whole, um, in a nutshell, what Jesus did. This whole book in Isaiah 53, we're going to look at the chapter. 
is so powerful in that this book was written over 700 years before Jesus came, and it gives in detail everything that was going to happen. Do you realize Canada is only 153 years old, I think? We're 153 years old. Here, this came prophesying that the Messiah was going to come and how he was going to come over 700 years before. Just this one alone. And there are others that are even, uh, you know, longer than that that prophesied what he was going to do. Uh, just the prophecies alone and the fulfillment of prophecy alone validate the word of God, that this is God's word. It stands true. When he says it, he will do it. Amen? So we're going to look at it. It says, who has believed a message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to, it, to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. You know, he came from Nazareth. And the, the reputation was, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was like Hickville of Israel of that day. It was like one of those places. Anyone have those places? You have them growing up, right? You have those certain group in that certain area. It's like, anything good come out of there? That's where Jesus came from, Nazareth. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Does that look like someone who was removed from what we're in? He was touched with all of it. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. This is talking about when he was on the cross. Surely he took our pain. And he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. This is talking about his moment when he was taking everything on the cross. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen. How many know, a lot of us, we know these verses, but it's just good to go back to them. It says, we all, like sheep, how many know sheep are dumb? They just follow. They just, uh, uh, all, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. How many have been in situations where it's unjust and you've been viewed or spoken about uh, in a wrong way and you couldn't defend yourself? Jesus identified with that. He stood there oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was even touched with that. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? Oh. Who got up and said, this shouldn't be done? There was no one. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. 
He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence. There was, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Let's leave that verse on because I want us to see something here. This is, again, how we see the power of God working in situations. And this is very good for us. I was reminded of this when I read this. Jesus didn't plan his funeral. He didn't make all these arrangements. And we need to understand this because there's a lot of things God brings us into, and I believe even through what we're going through right now with this whole pandemic stuff, is God is working. God isn't using disease. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the midst of it, God is working. And God was working in the midst of Jesus' death. Jesus, these guys didn't know. Let's, let's read Isaiah 53.9. We've got to fulfill this. This is happening right now. The Jews did not know this was being fulfilled at the time Jesus was dying. The disciples, who were his closest companions, didn't know that this was being fulfilled. They realized this after. But he was assigned a grave with the wicked. So Isaiah 700 years before is basically prophesying there will be a death. Because at the time Isaiah prophesied, there were no crucifixions. There were no uh, declarations that these are cursed people. These are wicked people. And this is how we're going to show it. We're going to crucify them. That was Roman, Roman time. And that's what they did. They were known for their torture and their brutality. And, and being hung on a cross, you were a cursed person. You were wicked, wicked, wicked. Isaiah is seeing this in the midst 700 years before. And then it says, and with the rich in his death. There was a rich man that said, I'm, we cannot do this to Jesus. When, when Jesus died, he said, I'm giving my grave. And he had a, he had a grave that was, was carved out of stone. It was a very, very expensive form of burial. They didn't have all the equipment we ever. You can blast it out with dynamite and do it all quick. They carved this, this grave out of a stone. And Jesus was given the grave of a wealthy, rich man. That guy didn't know this was what he was doing. God was working in the midst of it. He set up Jesus' whole funeral. He set up the whole thing. How it was all going to work. And man didn't even know. Aren't you glad? I'm glad. Because we live in a culture where we think we have to understand everything. We have to know the behind the behind this, behind that. No, we're so smart, we're dumb. And we're stumbling into half the things we realize, and we're like, whoa, how did I get here? That's where God wanted you. Believe it or not, he's smarter than us. Aren't we glad? Aren't you glad we can trust him? And, he, and he's working, and he's working, and he's fulfilling his purpose, his plan. Now we can go to that next verse. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring, I love this, and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. So God knew it's going to be hard. He's going to crush him. That's part of the rescue plan, but he's going to save him. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. 
Amen? Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out, out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen? He's making intercession for you and me. He is continually making intercession. He hasn't stopped, and he never will. Um, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. We can go there. And I'm giving you a lot of scriptures because you know what? There is so much on this topic of rescue. And we need to know these. We need to have these inside of us because it changes our view of everything that we see when we know that we've been rescued. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we pro profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that may we may receive mercy and find, and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen? This is our whole plan uh, as, as God's plan has been unfolded is that God wants us to be able to easily access him, not for just ourselves, but even for others. Freely we've received, freely we can give. Amen? That's why there's no room for judgment in the house of God, in the people of God. We can't, we can't judge people. We can't. It's not our place. It's our place to see God's rescue plan and to be a part of that. Amen? Whatever part he wants us to play, but to always show good news that he has saved us from the clutches of evil and he wants to restore creation to himself. I'm going to end with this verse in Romans 8. Romans 8, 31. If, if you read Romans 8, it's another good chapter to read. It's such a, cha a powerful chapter. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It talks about those who walk by this, are led by the Spirit. They are the sons of God. It talks about um, the work of the Spirit of God. And then it says at the end, it says, And what shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? <clears throat> I want us to ask ourselves that because right now, you know, with topsy-turvy of, of life and all the different things that are coming, and, you know, I believe the days ahead apart from God are, are more uncertain than they've ever been and will be, but uh, with God for us, he's unfolding an awesome plan. And so... If God is for us, who can be against us? And then this is what it says as the backup for that. It's the proof. He's saying he did not spare his own son, 
but he gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Amen? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Amen. He is forever interceding for us. And in our situations, no matter how overwhelmed we can get, when we come to Christ, He is making a way, and He is interceding, and He's showing us a way out, a way of escape. It's what the scriptures tell us. We've been rescued. And that's a world view, a biblical worldview that we have to keep in front of us continually. We've been. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.